Zach's turn. Next week will be uh, the, the last transformation class or the last class on discipleship, and that will be on calling and evangelism. And that one, Patty Patty Russo will be doing that one. So, anyway, you're good to go, Zach. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, like she said, we're going to kind of go over again the transformation today. It's it's very very important and. Uh, Definitely decide to go over them. So that's lesson ten. If you got one today, that's lesson ten. Um, and then we we I'm going to try to get to lesson eleven. We'll just see where it goes. If you are missing anywhere, you know we started at one. We remember. So if we're missing anything um, on the table back, the little table back there in the foyer area, there's a big white notebook. It kind of looks like Kim's big notebook here. Kind of looks like that. All of those older lessons are in there, and you can at least go through and read those. See the, 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 the base information there. They're, they're, these are really good, even just on their own. If you just read through them, they're all very good. They're very sound and they're very, you know, to the point. So, but we are going to talk about transformation today. And, and, um, I think it's really important to, to, uh, have a, a clear understanding, um, you know, I call it perspective of, of your relationship with God, of who God is of who you are, of what that relationship is like, all of those things. It, it, it shapes your perspective. It's going, to, it's going to determine how you live your life. It's going to determine the choices you make, things you do, right? Our perspective, a lot of that comes from, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In the Bible somewhere, Proverbs, I think. Um, so that relationship, that understanding is very important. So... I want to hit on a, a couple things real quick before we get started. You know, this is <laughs> just really skipping a stone across biblical history. But, you know, going back to Genesis, God said when he created man, let's make man in our image, in our likeness. So we were originally created in the image and the likeness of God. Right. So we know the story of uh, temptation comes. Mankind falls to sin. Right. Sin, sin enters in. The world becomes cursed. You know, the fall of man, all these things, right? So then later on, you know, man basically becomes separated from God in that moment. You know, sin, sin, the, the Bible describes that. We see it mentioned time and time again. Man is separated from God. He doesn't, he loses that ability to have that direct connection, that direct fellowship with God, right? Before the fall, it says that, that God came and talked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, right? They had fellowship, fellowship with each other. So, so God was merciful even in that. He, he prophesied. The first prophecy is in Genesis and it's talking about the coming, the coming one who will come from a woman and who will bruise the head of the serpent, right? It's talking about Jesus. So even then, even then, there was a, there was a, the word, the hope was there. The, the foretelling was there of the one that would come. Okay. So, you know, then we get into the, a lot of the Old Testament, right? Ten Commandments come, trying to, uh, the purpose of the Ten Commandments was to convict man of sin, honestly. It was it exposed sin working in us, right? People still could not, in the Old Testament, could not have direct fellowship with God, okay? Ex you know, except His Spirit would come upon you for a purpose, like the king or the high priest or, you know, his spirit would come upon them. Then they were able to fellowship with God. But Joe, Joe Public, you know, average Joe walking the street, had no felt direct connection with God. His whole relationship with the Lord was funneled through the written word 
and his and his rabbi and the teacher and all this stuff. And now we're talking about the, the Jewish Old Testament because guys like me, us Gentiles, we didn't have a hope at all at that time. Okay? So just just I'm just really skipping a stone across some of these things. But what happens? We got born again, right? Jesus comes, dies on the cross. One of my favorite things that happened, I shared this last week, was one of my favorite things that happened. See, you know, the Old, the Old Testament, they have their temple, right? It's divided up into all these sections. In that, in that final section, it's surrounded by this big, heavy curtain. Inside there is the, the Ark of the Covenant. That's the, the glory of God, right? Inside that room. The only person who's allowed to go in there is the high priest. Once a year, and he better have his act together, right? Or he will die. Okay? So, so when Jesus comes and he dies, he says, it's finished. And you know, across town, I don't know how far it was, but across town, that big curtain says it ripped in half from top to bottom. From top to bottom. Meaning this, come. All of you, come. You know? He's talked, he, he prophesied that all, that they will come when all shall know me, right? From the least to the greatest. That curtain was ripped in half so each one of us through Christ, through His sacrifice, through His shed blood can now have a direct fellowship connection with God. Right? So that's very important and it's very important that we understand that and we see that and we know that we are that we are one with Him. You know, the Bible talks a lot about us being made one with Him. We are joined with Him. He did, has not left us orphans. He has not left us alone. We, he is in us and with us. And we're all, it's just a big oneness, right? <laughs> and so it's very important to have that perspective, right? Because it, it will help shape your relationship. So let's talk about sin. I, I, I am, or not sin, well it is sin, but transformation is what we're talking about mostly. I actually kind of did these in a little bit different order. I actually wanted to start. Um, and kind of in the middle, there where it says free from sin. And uh, that's where we'll read here in just a minute. I want to share, let's go open to Ephesians. I hope you brought your Bible to church today. Ephesians chapter 5. I was telling Roberta yesterday that when I went to a Christian school and we used to have contests to see who could find the Scriptures the fastest. And then we'd stand up and we'd have to read it out loud. And they'd give you like a piece of candy or something. I don't know. Should we do that here? I don't know. You guys be into that? Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. You had to say sword of the Lord when you were there. Sword of the Lord. I found it. Okay. Ephesians 5 uh, verse 1. Uh, and there's a, there's a lot here, you know. Um, but you you got to start somewhere. But he says, therefore, based upon what I've already said, go read it. <laughs> go read Ephesians. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Imitators of God. That means that we are supposed to be like Him. Not, it, not as God. You're not God. But you can walk like Him through that relationship that we have if you're born again. You can be His imitator, right? As dear children. Why? Because you're made in His image. That image, that was the whole point I went back there, that image was restored. You were restored back to fellowship. You were restored back to His likeness and His image by His Spirit now that dwells in you and I. We have that, that, that image, that likeness that has been restored. We can walk like Him. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. I was thinking on this just a minute ago. You know, uh, I don't know if she's up here or not, but Ryan and Jalissa just had a little baby recently. She's so cute. Did you know that that baby is made in their image? Right? You know, we don't know that. 
There's there's you know mother and father, and they come come together, and there's a baby. That baby bears their his, their image, their likeness. We're going to see it more and more as she grows up, and she's going to be imitators of them because she is their child. Right? Everybody understands that. It's the same way with you and I. God, we were born again from our Father, and now we grow and we walk as imitators of Him. Be imitators of God and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And he goes on to, to tell us uh, some things that we are to, to put off. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Now, the, I really like the old King James there better. It says, don't let these things be named once among you as because it's not becoming. That's what it says in the old King James. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, no unclean person or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And then he tags this on the end. This is very important. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, you do not be a partaker with them. Now, the important part there is, is don't be deceived. Anytime you see Paul saying, don't be deceived, you should read what's going on around there because it's very likely that that deception is happening today somewhere. And I can tell you that that deception is happening very prominently in most of our churches. You know, that's why I like the old King James says, don't let fornication. I pick on fornication a lot because I myself dealt with that for a very long time until I, <laughs> I got free because I had a messed up perspective of who I was in God. I could, I, I shared last week, I was brought up from a very young age teaching, preaching, worshiping, all these things. It's kind of like a Pharisee. I was sharing Wednesday night. I said, my life was a lot like a Pharisee. Man, I was polished up. I could walk in anywhere. Hey, brother, how you doing? Good to see you. You know, I had the had it down, man. But inside, inside, my heart, my thoughts were corrupt. I was bound to pornography, which is a form of fornication. Jesus said, if you look at a woman or if a woman looks at a man to lust after her, you've committed sexual immorality with her in your heart, right? That's what he said. You can go look that up. I don't. It's, it's in one of the Gospels. I don't remember where. But he said it. So that is a, 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 that was very, very much going on in my heart. My heart, my mind were bound to pornography. My, my, I, I enjoyed, uh, dirty jokes. I enjoyed, uh, you know, coarse jesting there is what, the, what they call it. That was my life. That was, I enjoyed it, right? These things ought not so to be, as Paul would say. There was a messed up, perspective there was a messed up relationship and it was a very dangerous place quite honestly and there's a lot of people in our churches today that are in that same place fornication is running rampant in the body of Christ they're all through our, our young people you know there's they will say I love Jesus I'm a servant of Jesus and then, then then you know go go home and sleep with their boyfriend sleep with their girlfriend and and shack up shacking up as they say you know these things are not appropriate they're not okay Shouldn't be happening. I like the old King James that says, don't let it be named once. Well, it's named many times in most places that we go because of deception. Empty words. Empty words that have crept in and said, These, it's okay. God's grace is there. He understands. He's okay. Right? Deception. It's not right. 
He says, do not be partakers with them. For you, talking about me and you, for you were once darkness. You were in the past. Were is past tense. You were once darkness. This is Ephesians 5.8. You were once darkness. But now, in this present moment, today, you are light in the Lord. Now walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things which are done in secret. And he goes, but all, it keeps going here, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Oh, if I, if I kept reading, I'd have to go down a whole other path, so I better stop there on that one. The point is, I was, is that we were once darkness, right? We talked about that. Sin nature, born with the nature of sin, you were once darkness, but now, through the sacrifice, the blood of Christ, you are light. Now walk as a child of light. Another way of saying that is live your life as a child of light because it's who you are. Remember we talked about perspective. Perspective. This is not something you're trying to become. This is something that you are. You are a child of light. So you can live and walk and move in this world as a child of light. Okay. Um, so let's take a look at our uh, another one. I added this verse in. I didn't have this last time. Um, this is a, this is our relationship with sin. Okay. Second Timothy chapter two and um, verse nineteen. It says, "Nevertheless." The solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those that are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ, okay? Let everyone who names the name of Christ, anyone that would say, Jesus is my Savior. I've bowed the knee. I've accepted that He is the Son of God. He came. He died. He rose again on the third day. I've been saved, brother, right? Anybody that can raise their hand and shout or whatever at that statement. Anyone who names the name of Christ, Depart from iniquity. Iniquity is a fancy way of saying sin, lawlessness, things that are not pleasing to God. We're supposed to depart from those things. You guys know what depart means, right? It means like you leave. You go away. You, you know, if, if, I, if I departed this church right now, I would leave. Right? I go get in my truck and I leave. You depart. You don't hang around there. You don't... I don't... Uh, Take a chair with me on my way out, you know, and a couple chairs and take part of it with me. You, you, you're gone, you know, roadrunner, right? Meep, meep, zoom, gone, right? Depart from iniquity, okay? Okay, I'm trying to lay some, lay some foundations here in a somewhat quick manner. We may not get to the other lesson, I don't know. Romans, let's go to Romans. Romans has a ton of information of, of, Shaping who we are. Romans 5, 6, 7, 8. So much there. It's hard to find a place to start, quite honestly. Let's start in, start in 5. 5 and 19. It says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Talked about that earlier. That's the fall of mankind. So also by one man's obedience... Many will be made righteous. Talking about the sacrifice that Jesus 
made. Moreover, the law entered in that the offense might abound, right? So that people would understand just how much sin was operating in their life. That's why the law came. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what shall we say then? This is the he's concluding this. What should we say? Should we continue as believers? Should we continue in sin that grace might abound? You know, what's it saying here? My my Bible is very. Uh, it's a little more modern. The old one says, "God forbid." Mine says, "Certainly not." That's a little bit less uh, stern. You know, certainly not. No. So I make the joke, if you take that and you break it down in the Greek, you know, and you study the origins of that word, it means no. <laughs> no. Should we continue in sin that grace might abound? No. God forbid. It's forbidden by God to continue in sin. We just read in Timothy that we are to depart. And then he says the, the, this question, how shall we who died to sin live any longer therein it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus. In other words, again, those that have named His name, right? That's how they said it in Timothy. We've named His name. I've called upon the name of the Lord. I'm saved, brother. Okay. If that's you, we were baptized into Christ Jesus, that we were baptized into His death. And therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. That's, that's shouting ground right there. I mean, take a lap around the church, right? Just don't depart. Don't depart. Okay. Our old man, the, the old, you know, and this was a little bit of a struggle for me, like I said, because I'm like, I was raised under a church pew, right? How do I have a, where's my old man? What did I do? You know, what, steal somebody's truck at recess? I mean, what did I do? You know, <laughs> you know now later on it made more sense, but it's the, the old the, the body of sin, that fallen nature, the, the things that, that plagued you, the things that your parents messed up when they raised you and imparted into you doubt and fear and worry and anxiety and, and you know, a lack of confidence and, and, and all this stuff, right? Parents are, are people. <laughs> They're, they may make some mistakes, you know. I shared last week, I, I grew up seeing my dad get angry all the time. I grew up seeing... You know, my mom acts a certain way, you know, and so, it, so those things try to take root in your own life, right? Makes sense. That's the old man. It was crucified with him. So those things that are coming, that are not of God, that are in the likeness of sin, it's the old man. It's been declared dead. It says here that the body of sin might be destroyed. That's what it says in the old King James, that the body of sin might be destroyed, done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. And this is all too good to skip, so I'm just going to keep reading it. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. 
death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you and I in the same way reckon yourselves. I talked about reckoning last week. We'll get into that again. Consider, right? You, you think about something and you consider it. I've considered, I've reckoned that I myself reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. And for this purpose, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts. And don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And there's so much more that, that could be read here. Highly encourage you read read the whole book of Romans for one thing. But five, six, seven, eight—they're all—it's all flows together. It's kind of all one thought. Has everything to do with transformation, who you are, who we've been made. This is just a, a little clip of that, right? Not under law, but under grace. We're going to talk a little bit about grace here in just a minute. But I know uh, you might be thinking, you see, you see this, you say, "Okay, Zach, I see this. I've, I, body of sin's dead." Um, you know, I've been made this dead to sin. Sin doesn't have dominion over me. I see it, but I don't. Under, I'm still sinning. I don't understand. What do I do? How do I do this? What was okay? First of all, let's re, let's finally get to our paper, right? This is going to summarize some of the things that we just talked about. As new creatures, we're on the paper. The free from sin. As new creatures, our faith is placed in a new identity that we receive from Jesus. We are made righteous by the finished work of Christ. Our job is to live and walk in the righteousness that He provided and to put off the old man. Mortification from sin should be a fruit in the life of every believer. Gosh, Zach, why didn't you just read that instead of doing all this other stuff? No, you need to see these things in your Bible. It's important that we, that we know, as Roberta was talking about, um, you know, not just to make disciples of ourselves, but you may very well be in a position where you make or making a disciple of someone else. So we need to know what the Bible says about these things for, for use outside of the building, right? Where you're sitting around on lunch and, and somebody says something to you about, you know, you're talking about God or whatever, and they and they say, man, I just, I've just really been struggling with this lately. Well, by golly, let's get our Bible out. And let's look at what it says, okay? Now you can encourage and build up another believer. Whether they go to this church or not. Amen? Okay. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie one to another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, just being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Now let's jump up to this. Talking about the conscience. What is the conscience? Um, <laughs> I had an old, uh, old preacher of mine. He said, if you, if you hear another preacher say something really good and you can't improve upon it, you just take it. You know, and so that's what, <laughs> that's what I've done here. You know, he, he, he preached a message on the conscience called, the, it was, he had titled it, The Mechanism of Righteousness. The Mechanism of Righteousness. In other words, 
the conscience is how the Lord instruments and, and implements righteousness into our lives. Says everyone who has experienced the new birth, if you've truly been born again, you have an instant knowing of right and wrong. This is evidence that God's law has been written on our hearts. Hebrews 8.10 says, This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Although the conscience may mean something else to non-believers, to us it's a continual witness that we are now one with Christ. And we see the conscience talked about in Romans. I'm not going to go there, but it's Romans chapter 2. He says the Gentiles. The Gentiles were getting born again. They did not have the Old Testament. They did not have the Ten Commandments. But he says the Gentiles are by nature keeping the law. And they've become a law unto themselves. And it says that their thoughts would accuse or excuse their actions. Basically, summing it up. That's what the conscience does. When, When you're in a situation, temptation comes, whatever it may be. Uh, to do something that is not not right, do something sinful, whether it's lie, whether it's steal, whether it's look at something we ought not to, whether it's act a certain way, that conscience will come on. It kicks on, right? You know, it's described in so many ways. It's a feeling. It's a it's a an inner witness. It's a that oh feeling is how I describe it. That oh gosh, there's that wrestling, right? That inner inner uh, turmoil going on because the Spirit of God in you is saying, don't go this way. Over here is sin. Don't go this way. Stop. Stop. Turn. Go. Other way. Depart. Right? Depart from it. And we're faced with that choice. And so for a long time, I thought the choice was, uh, and sometimes it can be, the choice to obey was this big grueling like, oh God, you know, save me, deliver me, right? But see, as you draw closer and closer and closer and closer to Him, obedience becomes easier and easier because you don't want to displease Him. You want to do righteousness, right? You 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 have become a slave to righteousness, as Romans 6 says. And, and it's who you are. You, when you're saying no to sin, you're saying yes to your true identity. You're saying yes to who you are and who He is in you. So the struggle, uh, there can be a struggle sometimes, I will say that, but the struggle becomes less and less and less the more and more you yield over to it. It becomes second nature to obey. Obedience. That's the next section here. We're skipping down to that third section. Obedience brings change. The voice of the Spirit through our conscience is one of the chief ways that Jesus communicates with His people. We continually get prompts from our conscience about things that we ought to change. Transformation is not a complicated process, but many times, the things that we know we should change, or I'm sorry, the things we know should change, we allow to stay. Knowledge without action is no better than blindness. In fact, Jesus says it's worse. See Luke 12, 47-48. When we are faithful to obey what we know to do, God can add more instructions to us. Walk in what you know, and God will help you understand more and more as you obey Him. And then this is the the writing of Paul here, Philippians 3. Not that I have already obtained this or I am perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. 
Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained through obedience. Right. So I said earlier that we were going to talk about grace. And uh, so let's go to the book of Titus. Titus is a, is a wonderful, it's a very practical book. And uh, for me, I really like practical things. I'm not a very flashy individual. I really like just, you know, meat and potatoes, practical things. So Titus is actually one of my favorite books. Except now I can't find it. I would not be getting a piece of candy right now if we were doing that little thing. There it is. Titus chapter 2. Now, you hear about grace a lot. You know, I shared it earlier. You know, people will, will say that God's grace, well, His grace covers your sin, brother. You can just, you know, just, He knows your heart, right? He knows, you know, are you, you guys hear stuff like this? I don't know if you hear it or not. I hear a lot of things. His, there is an element of truth in that, right? He's not going to kick you out the door at the first, <laughs> at the first uh, wrong thing that you do. But there, there, there is Scripture. There is evidence. You know, we read earlier it says that the fornicator will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, that's someone who... A fornicator is not someone who fornicates one time. A fornicator is someone who has a lifestyle established of fornication, right? Habitual. This is, things are happening frequently, all the time. Part of your life. So that's kind of what His... his you know, His grace covers those, those moments, right? Well, if we stumble, if we fall. But let's look at the true grace of God here. This is Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation. <laughs> that same pastor used to, used to stop there and say, say Well, I don't, who wants any other kind? Right? I remember that. I just... He said, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, and it teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts that we ought to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. That's, that's the grace of God. The true grace of God is going to empower you to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, in this moment. So when I talk about the grace of God as it pertains to transformation, when you're in that moment of conscience, your conscience is kicking on, there's temptation has come, right? Whatever it is. And sometimes these things happen fast, right? You want to talk about road rage? It doesn't happen too much here, right? Like there's barely any traffic here. But when we lived in like Tulsa and some of these bigger cities and things, these things can happen really, really fast, right? Somebody does something and they just about kill you on the road. Like you have, boom, that, that you have just sometimes an instant to react. But the conscience still comes. It still comes and says, nope, just let it go. Nope, don't do that. Nope, do not follow them home. <laughs> These are real life temptations. No, don't follow them, Zachary. Don't do that. Don't see if they'll pull into that parking lot. I'm just being honest. These are things that have 
It really happened. These are based on true events, okay? So, conscience, the whole time, the whole time, you, maybe, maybe the whole time you're following that person, let's see if they stop at that Walmart. Let's see, we can, we can talk a little bit. Stop. Your conscience is going, stop. Turn around. Get out of here. What are you doing? This is not the behavior of a child of God. Stop it, you know? And so many, much of the time, we feel like we're not strong enough to obey that. But that's a lie. According to everything we've read this far, we know that sin has lost dominion over you. But the other thing is this, on the flip side, is that His grace comes alongside of you. When you make the decision to walk in righteousness, when you take that step to say, no, I'm going to depart from this, I'm going to walk into who I am, His grace comes alongside to help and to empower. Why? Because you have the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, and His grace empowers change through obedience. His grace comes alongside, and there all of a sudden a strength that, that you didn't even know you had comes in that moment to, to help you live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age. Right? So obedience is empowered by His grace. Um... On the second page, it says living a transformed life. This is just, there's so many good scriptures here. And um, basically, this is life, right? You start reading the New Testament, particularly Paul's letters, transformation is in almost every one of them in, in uh, great detail, a lot, right? It's a very important, very critical part of our walk with Him. We're told to put off the old man, put on the new man. Sometimes it seems like that old man is, is, is strong, but no, he's dead. That's what the Bible says. The old man is dead. So really, if, that, if you're really wrestling with temptation and, and all this stuff, honestly, what, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're digging that guy up, right? Dig him up and then fight with him. You're going to fight with a dead man, okay? That's, that's a really weird picture, but that's what's going on in those times. I heard somebody preach that once, and I was like, are they like a zombie? Is that what, is it, like, if you, no, anyway. No, never mind. It's not. Just a dead guy. Not, there's no reanimation there. Okay. That, that was a bad joke. Living a transformed life. Okay. Jesus said, Mark 8.34, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. This means that we are no longer lords of our own lives. We must choose daily to die to our own desires and plans. Ultimately, we know that a fruitful life is trusting the process and the outcomes to God. If we're faithful and obedient to our conscience daily, we create patterns of fruitfulness that only grow with time. Now, some of this is really this really plays into the next lesson is is really understanding that your life is not your own. That we were bought, we were purchased with a price that, that really, and this is, I, I feel like a lot of it has to do with just culture. As Americans, we're not used to bowing the knee to anybody, right? We don't think that way. This is, this is the United States of America, right? Land of the free, home of the brave, right? We're not used to having lordship. Someone else dictating our decisions. Someone else dictating what we should do. But honestly, that's our, what our relationship with God is like. We don't get to serve our own will. We serve His will. So, so funneling our whole life through that of, Father, not my will, but Yours be done. What is Your plan? What is Your purpose? 
we'll get into that here. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. But I, I wanted to talk real quick just about some... Remember I said I like practical things? These are These are practical things that you can be aware of because these things... I wrote down a little list here. These will invite sin, invite temptation into your environment. Um, number one, and they all they all really come back to this, but it, number one is a lack of intimacy and closeness with God on a consistent basis. You know, we, we keep coming back to this over and over again because that's the foundation of our relationship with Him is, is consistent fellowship. I would say daily, you know, with God in that secret place, right? Matthew 6, we go back to that. That's where the Father dwells, in the secret place. You go to your room, you shut the door, right? You're blocking out the world and spending time in His Word, spending time in prayer, spending time praying in the Holy Ghost, worshiping, lifting your hands. I love you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. You are good, right? That song we were singing this morning, I was really glad Roberta came up and hit that because I was going to do the same thing. I was like, yes, His goodness, right? You focus on His goodness in the secret place. You are good. It's going to carry you through many trials, carry you through many temptations by focusing, keeping your gaze fixed on Him. You are good. You are faithful. You have been faithful and you will continue to be faithful. Amen? Those, that's the kind of things we're talking about. So a lack of that, a lack of that on a daily basis is going to invite sin into your life because you're not keeping your eyes fixed on Him. You're not keeping your gaze fixed on Him. Your heart is going to turn, is going to turn cold toward the things of God over time and then temptation comes and you may still hear your conscience because by golly, you're still born again, but your heart, your, your mind is not going to be tr- <laughs> uh, thinking right away, I'm going to obey this. Because you haven't been in fellowship with him for such a long time, right? Okay. Number two is kind of along the same lane is discouragement, hopelessness. You know, those things to me are, are byproducts of a lack of consistent fellowship with the Lord. It doesn't mean that we don't deal with things, but if you're consistently finding yourself in a place of discouragement, hopelessness, you can probably look and find that you haven't been consistently praying, you haven't been consistently fellowshipping with the Lord, letting His words and His presence wash over you. Number three, these uh, three and four kind of go together. These are, these are the things that caused you know, God's people, Israel, in the Old Testament to stumble time and time again. It's complaining, a lack of contentment, disobedience, and idolatry. You know, we don't think much of idolatry these days. We don't bow down and worship a golden calf or anything like that, but it's things that we place in our lives higher than God, right? And complaining, lack of contentment. And again, all of those things point back to lack of fellowship with Him, but we allow those things to take, can allow those things to take root in our life. Complaining. Complaining, you know, I wish this was different. I wish this was different. I'm tired of this same old stuff. I'm tired of this blah, 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 blah. You know, I don't know if you guys ever do anything like that. I know I do. And I, every time I can trace it back to, gosh, I've, I've let my fellowship go a little bit. I've let my trust for Him go a little bit. I've let my gaze go off of Him and over here onto this situation or this circumstance or this problem. Um, the next one is, is uh, something that Jesus said. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Right? 
or he'll hate the one, love the other, or he'll despise the one, serve the other. And then he said, no man can serve God and mammon. It's a really old King James word. But it has everything to do with the world system. Uh, it has to do with wealth, riches. Um, but it not. I'm not saying he doesn't want you to have wealth and riches. It's where your pursuit and your energy and your your thoughts and all this are all bent on that, right? You know. He said you cannot pursue and chase after and and lust after these things and serve me at the same time. That you can't. So you, there's no there's no way around it. There's no little secret passageway over here that we can go in. He just said you can't. You can't do it. And so if 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 we're finding ourselves where we're just striving and pursuing and gosh, I've got to have this, that, the other, whatever it is, it's not coming from God because Jesus said it's not from me. He said he said you're 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 in, you're wrong. You're in a wrong spot. So so chasing and pursuing and driving and striving after those kinds of things will invite sin into your life. Why? Because by default, right? I'm a rule book guy. If you ever play board games with me, I've always got the rule book right there because I like to get you, you know? That's how you win the game, right? You exploit the rules to your benefit, right? So when Jesus said that you can't serve two masters and we're, and we're, and you can't serve God and mammon. So if you're serving mammon, then you're not serving God. Right? We come to that same conclusion. <laughs> Cause that's what he said. It's what he said in the book. Well, I gotcha. No, you know, <laughs> it's not in, not in a condemning way. It's in an, an enlightening way to, so that we can all, right? We all from time to time have to take stock of life, take stock of our decisions. What are we doing? And this next one goes, goes right in there. I added this recently. I was telling Robert, I, I get get excited when sometimes I see something in the Word or somebody shows me something in the Word I've never seen before. And I just maybe missed it. This is in 2 Samuel. That's back in the Old Testament, right? This is our examples, the Old Testament examples to us. 2 Samuel chapter 11. This is a very common story. I can find it. These chapters are long in 2 Samuel. There we go. Chapter 11 and verse 1. See, these are some of these details. It says, It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. That David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. See, there's details, and so much of the times our brain would just whoop, go right over them. Okay? So let's slow down. Let's look. It happened in the spring of the year. At the time when kings go out to battle. I have no idea what that looks like, right? We, <laughs> we have no concept of, of these things, right? But it's spring, time to go to battle, okay? We're thinking, oh, i got to start cutting the grass again. i got to do this, and i got to clean those gutters out. They're thinking, well, time to go to war. You know, I, I don't know what that looks like, but it's in there for a reason, okay? It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. Okay, kings go out to battle. Who was the king? David. David was the king. He was the king of Israel at that time. But look what happens. David sent Joab and his servants with him. Joab was his captain. And all of Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon. And they besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Isn't that interesting? 
Because it says that it's the time when kings went out to battle, but David stayed behind. We don't know why he stayed behind. I feel like if the Lord would have told him to stay behind, we would have that information. There was something going on in his heart, in his mind, where he chose to not do what he was supposed to do. And that's, that's the, 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 the point I'm trying to make is when you find yourself in a place of disobedience, being outside of His will, where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to be doing, where you're supposed to be going, it's going to invite sin into your life. Because if we keep reading, well, you guys recognize this story. You know, Then it happened one evening that David rose from his bed, walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman and some, and the rest is history, right? We know how this story goes. It caused David to fall into great sin. But a, a, big, a big reason why he was in that environment of sin is because he was not where he was supposed to be. This never would have happened if David would have, would have went out to war, whatever that looks like, in the springtime. Because that was what he was supposed to be doing. And there were many... There was much, much suffering that that happened because of this. You know, uh, we know the story. Bathsheba and they get together and they have a baby. That baby died, right? You know, God dealt with Old Testament people differently. Let me just say that. Um, but that baby died. You know, and Bathsheba, uh, her husband, David, essentially murdered her husband. Right? We know the story. There's an innocent, an innocent baby, an innocent man, both died. Bathsheba went through some stuff. I'm sure it says she mourned for her husband, right? Um, and then there's a lot there. You know, if you really look into this story, um, one of the people that betrayed David to Absalom, his son. You remember the story? You know, Absalom's going to revolt against David, and they're going to to overtake him. One of the the counselors that betrayed David to his son was was, if you by all accounts, it was Bathsheba's grandfather. Right? He remembered. Grandpa's remember. <laughs> I remember what you did to my, my granddaughter. I remember everything you put her through. All that suffering. Right? So he betrayed David. And you know, when Nathan, the prophet Nathan, comes to David and tells him what has happened, David even, even betrayed himself out of his own mouth. He said, That which has happened to this man, let it, or let it return on his own head fourfold. Right? And and I was reading about this last night. You know, David lost. He had three of his children die. You know, the baby, and then he had two other children die. He had one of his own daughters that someone took advantage of her in the in honestly in the same way that he had taken advantage of this woman that he saw. She didn't have a choice in the matter. It wasn't something something that she wanted to do a place where she wanted to be. So one of his own daughters that happened to her. Right? Because of well, again, we go back to. Uh, a whole mess, right? Because of not being where we're supposed to be, right? Oh goodness! And this has everything to do with with hearing hearing His voice, hearing His voice. There's so much here. I don't I don't think we'll get into it a lot, but just the the very very basics of hearing His voice. You you're not going to hear His voice. Outside of the secret place, you—I shouldn't say it that way. At the first, you—you you need to get quiet. You need to take time. Put it, push aside the world, like Jesus said. When you go into your secret place, you go in and you shut the door. That means that you—the world is out there. You know, 
the 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 phone the phone's off the 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 TV's off the you know all these things these are hard for us to do right in this day and age people don't like to get alone with their thoughts but that's what Jesus said we're going to get alone we're going to get quiet and we're going to seek Jesus through his word and prayer praying in the holy ghost right letting letting the holy ghost pray for you that's where you're going to begin to hear his voice and another thing is, remember we talked earlier about perspective, how you see yourself. I hear a lot of people just in talking, you know, they, 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 they say things like, I just can't hear God's voice. I just don't. I just don't hear His voice. I don't this. I don't that. Don't, don't say those things about yourself because it's not who you are. Jesus said that my sheep, well, are you His sheep? Do we have to go through this again? Did you, <laughs> did you, did you bow the knee? Can you raise your hand? Yes, brother, I'm saved. Okay, then you're His sheep. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they do not follow the voice of a stranger. So that is who you are. That's the foundation of who you are. I understand there can be difficulty, but let's start from a good ground of I'm his sheep. I can hear his voice. Okay. So and then we get into the secret place, the quiet place. God, what would you have me do? What, what, where am I supposed, you know, he's going to give you instructions. A lot of the time, I think people that, and I've worked through this in my own life, is we hear these things, we hear instructions, and it may seem very simple sometimes. You know, we're in there saying, God, what am I called to do? You know, what am I, what's my calling? What's my purpose? And, and God may be saying, I want you to do something nice for your wife tonight. <laughs> Might be... And then we, ah, God, what's my calling? What's my purpose? Well, see, we didn't obey. We didn't obey the last thing. We didn't obey the last instruction that He had. See, because God's leadership is not, He doesn't say, I mean, yes, I have an idea for just, let me just take me. I have a pretty solid idea of the things I'm called to do. But I have no idea how I'm going to get there. I know this that it's going to do day by day, day by day, one step at a time. What's the next step? What's the next step? And it may look at times like the things that he's having you do have make no sense whatsoever, but that's when we get back to trusting him, obeying him. I believe you, Jesus. I understand that you won't lead me in a path that's going to cause destruction in my life. You know, all these things that obedience to his voice and acting on his voice. That's where, honestly, I think if we dig into it, a lot of people have stumbled is because they haven't acted on these things that God's been telling them for years. And it stops your spiritual ears to hear him. Because why would he continue to tell us, right? There's, there's some parables that are like that, that Jesus said, you know, something along the lines of, to him that has, more will be given. But to him that has not, it'll be taken away, even that which he does have. You know, that sounds harsh, but he's saying, you know, if you have, if you grasp something, you're understanding something, you're walking in it, he's going to add more to you. He that's faithful and little is going to make you ruler over much. All these things that Jesus said. So it's as we obey. I've found this to, to be true in my, in my own life and the things that I've called to do. You know, there was a lot of services where even, you know, before we moved here and stuff where I would hear things in my heart and, and, and I wouldn't share it. I wouldn't share it. I would just sit on it. You know, and even, even the past, you know, Pastor Nathan, the, did anybody have anything to share? No, not really. You know, but eventually I got to the point where I couldn't do that anymore. You know, and so, so 
you know, begin to share those things. It, even it, and at the time, maybe it didn't seem like it made a lot of sense, but you share what's on your heart. You know, you share what God spoke to you during that time of prayer. You share what this thing and that. And then I've noticed as time has went on, He tells me more and more and more. Shows me more and more things, right? I mean, you know, you guys have seen that, and, and it's not. It, it has just has to do with my calling, right? There's there's things that that I've I've said even to this church instructions that God has has come out, you know. And it's not like, oh, look, you know, look, at, it's just it's just part of the calling. Right. And so that that would not be happening if I was still refusing to obey when he does. Speak and, and just sitting on it. Right. But I think there's so much so many of us in here, so many of us in here that are hearing his voice. I know. I, well, I'll just go. There. I'll just go there. Why not? You know, I know there's a lot of times when Roberto will have us, you know, everybody just pray. And, and get quiet before the Lord for five minutes, ten minutes. And then she says, okay, has anybody got anything to share? And I think there's a lot of us sometimes that are sitting on things. That you, you're not sure that you heard God. You're not sure that you, you know, you're never, <laughs> getting more and more sure comes with practice. You know, it, it starts with stepping out in a safe place, in a safe environment. It's a really safe environment to share things that you believe that you have heard from God, right? So. So the next time we have one of those, I want to hear from a whole bunch of people, right? Because there's a whole bunch of people in here with gifts and callings. And that every single one of us, if you're born again, can hear from God. So you might be a businessman. You might not be called to stand up behind a pulpit. But you can hear from God. You can have something. He, he may speak to you something to share, right? That's another thing. I'll take just a few more minutes. Try not to take forever. Is, is God's voice is, is critical. And it's not just critical for people that are called to the fivefold ministry. Not just critical for pastors and prophets and evangelists and teachers and apostles. It's critical for, for businessmen. It's critical for, for college students. It's critical for mothers at home taking care with a, with a baby on each hip. It's critical that we, we know Him. That we hear His voice, right? My goodness, mama with a baby on both hips. You need to know His voice. You need to know His Word to know how to deal with these children. <laughs> how do I raise these, these children up in the, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord as I've been instructed to do by His Word? You know, how do I, what do I do in this situation? What do I do in that situation? You need to know His voice. You need to be practicing these things. We all need to be practicing these things where we get quiet. It's fellowship with Him. If He gives instructions, you act on it. You don't just sit on it. You act on it, right? It's, it's, it all comes back to obedience. I'm seeing that so much more and so much more. The more we study and the more we get into these discipleship classes, that your, your walk and your life and your relationship with God, it all comes back to obedience. You can't... There's no escaping it. There's no other way there's no other other road it is the road you know and and so it, it's it's a it's a not my will father but yours be done on a daily basis if any man that was one of our scriptures if any man come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me right and so just jumping back real quick real quick to to talking about the conscience your conscience can become seared. We're, we're, we're in these certain areas of sin. It's like you, you don't hear right from wrong. You can see it. That's where the Word of God comes in. 
You see, you see what is happening in this Word of God and say, oh my goodness, that's wrong. Okay? You, you find it in your own life. I shouldn't be doing this. I see it here in the Word of God. You know, but, so that's the time. The thing about God is if we stumble, if, I said if, not when, <laughs> if we stumble, if we fall short, His grace is also there. First John, it says to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, so if, if you're finding yourself in a state where, gosh, I see what I'm doing and the Word is wrong, but I, I'm not feeling conviction. I don't even feel bad about it. That's the time when in, the, in that secret place, in that moment, we, you've got to say, God, I'm sorry. I repent. I see that well, this is wrong. Forgive me and cleanse me. Cleanse my conscience from all unrighteousness. If, we'll, if you'll have that moment in sincerity and in just real, raw fellowship, that conscience is going to begin to kick on. The next time that temptation comes, oh, wait a minute. I repented from that. Wait a minute. The Word says that's wrong. Wait a minute. I shouldn't do this. You know, and then you're, you're growing. You're getting stronger. You're pursuing righteousness. Amen? And that's, and that's how it's, that's the, the, the basics of it. Amen? So there's so, there's so much more that could, that could be shared. And, and it would be important. It's so, it would be, like I've said, you know, if you're struggling in an area, get Romans out. Romans, at least Romans 6, 7, and 8. I like to throw chapter 5 in there too. Read those things over and over and over again because it's who you are. And you'll find that the, as the temptation comes, the Holy Ghost will reveal and remind and, and, and instruct of who you are and who He is in you. And those temptations and those things will become less and less and less as you walk into freedom and righteousness. And the, that old man begins to take the place that it deserves and belongs as dead. And you walk in life, through life, as a child of light. Amen. So, Father, we just thank You for Your goodness. I don't want to... Uh, I want to go back to that. We thank You for Your goodness. Your faithfulness. We thank You for the, the Gospel, the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was shed that we might have access to You, fellowship with You. May we never lose sight of the Gospel, Jesus. Let us always remember Your goodness, Your faithfulness. I thank You, Father, for each person today. I thank You, Lord, for Your Word that it has gone out, that Your Word has gone out, and that it would not return void, but it would accomplish that which You desire to do in each life and in each heart. I thank You, Lord, for good ground in the hearts of each person that has heard Your Word today, that it would bring forth much fruit in their hearts and their lives, and we would begin to see change through obedience. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Do you have anything to add, Roberta? She's going to come up here and preach for another hour. <laughs> it was really hard not to while he was doing this thing. I, I, I just want to encourage you that it's not just you progress. You're always progressing. You never stop learning about the things of God or the gifts of God or pursuing the gifts of God. I mean, I've just been recently reading uh, a book uh, from a guy where Rochelle's going to church at and and um, just picked out a piece that I was reading it. And I had never heard this about John G. Lake before, but 
Janji Lake was the one that had, you know, was where the bubonic plague was. And they, he said, put that on that plague on my hand and the germs and all that died on his hand. I had never heard the part. I think he was in the same place, but he had, he had, um, he had been instrumental in seeing 100,000 people healed. And so he broke it over a number of years and he broke it down. It was like 50 some a day, 50 some a day. And they didn't have the equipment to diagnose problems with people. So what, what he was doing, because his, the word of the Lord was so clear to him and the understanding was so clear that he would just go to that person, put his hand on him, and the Lord would show him what was going on with that person, where the sickness was, where the, where the problem was, what needed to be dealt with. See, that's the power that we have as a believer with the help of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And so, but it's our job to fine tune those areas. Amen? It's our job to be um, more sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we do that by what are some of the things Jack mentioned them? But worship is one, praying in tongues is another, reading your word is another, meditating the word. You become more fine tuned here in, in hearing his leadership in your life. So you're not collapsing. I mean, I think there's a lot of things we don't do because we don't hear it. But the more we, the more we practice those areas and become sensitive to Him, then we're going to be obedient to do that. Because the obedience is so important. So important. It brings the blessing. It brings the change in your life. It brings the change in the other person's life that you're ministering to. Amen? And so I just wanted to share that because that's meant, I mean, I just was, reading that after I got back, so it hasn't been just a few days, but I was just so, I'm going, I've got a ways to go, you know? I mean, it's just amazing that what what can, what God can do to us. Amen? Amen. So that was, that was all I can, I can stop showing. <laughs> anyway, Father, we just, we just agree, Father, with the prayer that's been prayed that, Father, your will be done. Your kingdom come, that, Father, your word does not return void. But we thank you that it is accomplishing a mighty work in everyone that's here in the ears of the ear, Father, that they not only hear it, but they do it, like you said. They do it. They're a doer of the word. They're a doer of the word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. The only other thing I had is if there's an area in your life that you want help getting over, um, uh, Zach will be available to pray, and I'll be available to pray. You know you're stuck in an area, stuck in an area of sin or that you're struggling with. I'm, I'm, I understand that as well. You know, so it's, it's, it's another area. So if you want some help, some prayer, and then when you give prayer, you don't just walk away while I'm free from that, which you're already free from. Go read your word. Go pray. Go pray. Build yourself up in that area so that and he doesn't come back and steal the kingdom again. Amen? Okay, you're free to go.